0: Hi, my name is Tom Peterson. I'm going to be at the Southboard Convention this year, and you're listening to MagicConventionGuide.com.
1: This is the Magic Convention Guide podcast for the fourth of June, two thousand and nine. I'm here with Tom Peterson, who is currently in the USA, but he's coming over to the IBM British Ring in September. So it's it's nice to have you here, Tom. It's it's very nice to be here, Andrew. So you've been doing magic since quite an early age, haven't you? What when did you actually start doing magic or get interested in magic? Boy,
0: I, you know that's a really tough one because I it's been as long as I can remember. I I was interested in magic when I was five years old, so. It just never—it was the bug that bit that never went away.
1: <laughs> so, what first started you in magic? Yeah, when you were when you were five, what what kind of sort of pulled you in?
0: Well, yeah, you know, I got uh, Marshall Brodeen used to put out a series of, of magic called TV Magic, and I think for an early Christmas present, I received a, a TV Magic deck of cards. And there was a fair amount of magicians on television, thanks to at that time in the United States, uh, Mark Wilson. Yeah, and so that I found really fascinating. And then there was a really short-run syndicated program in the United States called The Magician, starring Bill Bixby. Yeah. And he was this handsome guy that used to drive this white Corvette around, and he parked it on his private jet airplane, and he was always dripping in women. And I thought, yeah, that's something I could see myself doing when I get older. So... (laughs) Everything's, everything's going exactly to plan. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the stereotypical close-up artist, really. Very much so. Well, it was, it was a great show in that so many of the episodes were shot in and around the Magic Castle, and they featured cameos with people like uh, Di Vernon and, and Larry Jennings and those guys.
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, you've obviously moved on quite, quite a long way, because you're one of the only performers that can actually perform in any of the rooms at the Magic Castle, aren't you?
0: Yeah, correct, correct. And I'm not exactly sure how that all happened. I, <laughs> I started performing there in the close-up room, and I just kind of continually kept asking for different rooms. And before you knew it, I kind of been in every one of them. So.
1: so, for the people that haven't actually been to the Magic Castle, what, what's it like actually performing in the Magic Castle itself?
0: It's it's honestly it's one of the best experiences you can get. And if you're a performing magician, I would I would definitely say that that's something to to. Uh, to try to should try to get under your belt, just because it's 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 a venue where the people who go there are there to see magic. They're already sold on the idea, so there's none of this having to win somebody over. As opposed to if you're doing like restaurant magic or if you're doing a corporate event where they're not sure that you know there's even a magician there. The people that go there, it, it, the, all the rooms are staged to uh, to watch magic. The people are there to see magic. It's a, a great clientele. I I can't recommend it high enough.
1: So going back to sort of how you learned magic and and what you did uh, when you were younger, obviously the the influence of TV and and shows that you'd seen. um, Did you sit down and teach yourself? Did you go to a club? Um, How did you start to pick up
0: that stuff? I I grew up in a very, very small town. Um, So my first stop for almost any information was always the the local library. Um, My father and mother used to take me into uh, the big city at that time to the magic shop about once a year, and I'd save my pennies all year long uh, to to be able to make that trick, Um, but mostly it was out of books and self-taught. I mean, like I said, I got started so early, my older sister used to have to read the instructions to the magic tricks for me, (laughs) Um, and then, of course, back then it was, you know, that was the big day of of mail order magic, Um, and so you would would order a trick, you know, that you saw in a catalog, which was, of course, a miracle. Um, and you'd wait really really patiently for the however many weeks it seemed to take for the for the trick to arrive and then you'd practice that and that's that's pretty much it just kind of just kind of one thing at a time just a lot of books a lot of books so did you as you were going through that did you sort of
1: change how you did magic did you obviously start off with sort of like you said cards and things like that but what was the the point where you sort of Kind of really picked it up heavily and go from the child doing magic to someone that was going to do it for a living
0: well um, when I got started I was very interested you know because I was a, I was a, a very young boy I was very interested in the in the brightly colored silks and the and the, and the brightly painted boxes um, so I was interested in doing I wanted to do, do illusions I wanted to be the next Doug Henning you know that kind of thing yeah um, and um, and I was at a shopping mall with my parents I was probably about Guessing around 13 years old at the time, and there was a gentleman there by the name of Jim Moody, and he had this very very small box in the shape of a, of a top hat on what we know today to be like a Eureka base or some kind of stand. Yeah, and he was performing a, a, a large stage show all out of this little tiny box, and he was doing things like the the you know the die tube and Rect and uh, six car repeat and that kind of stuff, and I, and it was it was. It, that was transformational for me because that's when I realized that you could be entertaining on a large stage and and do a great job of making people laugh and, and fooling them without having to have all the heavy equipment and the big boxes and so um... that was that was seminal for me um, and then when I got out of high school um, I was still a little bit into the into the big box phase and uh... went to a magic shop uh, and, and a friend of mine who worked at the shop at the time uh, turned me on to a little bit heavier close-up magic. He, he introduced me to some some John Mendoza close-up magic books, and uh, and that was a big, big turning point as well. So those I, I would say those were the two biggest events that, that kind of changed how I did magic. And as far as doing it for a living, that was just that was that was my plan since I was five. That just never.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you always wanted to be a magician when you were, were younger. <laughs> absolutely absolutely now you went through university as well you did a um, organizational communication degree didn't you did, did magic yeah. help you or hinder you?
0: I would say that magic probably uh, probably hindered me <laughs> simply because if I was uh, had, had a large paper to do or a large research project and I was stuck in a library for five or six hours it was much easier to reach into my book bag and pull out you know you know, the latest card magic book that I just happen to be carrying with me. Um, kind of a distraction. Um, but uh, but I found that, that what I learned in university has become really uh, helpful to me since I've gone out into the world doing magic for a living because most of what I do is for corporate events and oftentimes it's in conjunction with a sales meeting or a new product introduction. And they want somebody who can write and speak intelligently about their new product. And yep. so... My university years are, were well spent. I'm very glad I did it.
1: <laughs> so over the years, have you seen, do you think magic has changed a lot or a little? Has it changed, obviously, now you've got the internet, you know, magic is a lot more accessible. You know, you haven't got those weights to say, here's a catalogue of magic, I'm going to order this. You know, It's going to take a couple of weeks to arrive. It's pretty much instantly there or, or posted off to you. How have you seen magic change since when you were small doing it?
0: Well, I I, I think it's it's big picture and small picture. I think the small picture is it's changed a lot, exactly what you say. There's this primacy and recency with the the Internet um, where people can, like, look anything up. Uh, Case in point, I was speaking to a gentleman the other day who was performing strolling magic at an event, and he was doing the crazy man's handcuffs, the the two-rubber band effect. And while he was doing it, somebody was on their Blackberry looking it up online (laughs) and, and figuring out how it was done at the venue. So yeah. as, as far as certain things go, uh, the Internet has made, you know, it, it's it's such a double-edged sword. It's the best thing and the worst thing for magic. As far as the big picture goes, I don't think magic has changed all that much insofar as if you want to get good and if you really want to be able to go out and make a living or at least just be able to entertain people competently, it still takes the same amount of work as it always has. So while the Internet, you know, is... is, is um, satisfies the looky-loos, the people who just want the instant gratification of, of finding out how something is done. To really learn the craft, it, it still takes the same amount of time and commitment. So, But as far as magic changing, the, the only other thing that I would say as far as how it's changed, and something that I'm kind of... Fighting against a little bit is there's this there's this huge uh, flavor of the week trend towards street magic where everything is yeah. is street magic and I think it's I think it's lost a little bit of the luster because of that you know when when you're uh, doing magic on the street in a ripped t-shirt and blue jeans it, it doesn't have the same feel of you know when 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 I was a boy and I saw you know uh, Mark Wilson and his wife on stage you know looking their best So
1: yeah because that's a very that's a very traditional magic. Yeah, and and personally I kind of miss that Yeah. Um, Now you've been over a a couple of times to the UK to lecture Um, uh, You're coming over again for the British Ring convention in Southport in September Can you tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing when you're actually over at the convention?
0: Well, uh, my understanding is I'm only doing a a short set in one of the evening shows I believe it's a close-up show So I'm going to try to do uh, just the stuff that I do for regular people so I'm not really much of a magician's magician as far as that goes. I'm the the people that generally pay my bills are the are the, are the lay people. So I'm just going to kind of do my usual shtick and hope it flies. <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about how um, the title of the Amazing
1: Guy came about?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that was that was kind of a weird um, a weird thing. I had uh, uh, a friend of mine years ago had on his had on his voice. Uh, answering machine. Uh, a comic friend of mine used to used to say, "Hi, you've reached you've reached the 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 voice of or the, the phone of so and so that funny guy." Um, and I love the idea of that funny guy because it sounds so casual. But it was you know it was my friends, and I certainly wasn't going to use someone else's tagline. Um, so I, I hunted around. And I thought, "Well, the amazing guy. That's that's kind of a, a fun little title." So I had it as an email address for years and years and years. And one day my uh, my good friend Gregory Wilson said to me, he said, "How come you're not using the amazing guy on everything? How come that's not your 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 you know your your selling proposition how come that's not your your tagline and yeah. it was it was kind of one of those things where you know it was right in plain sight the whole time and it never dawned on me and so I thought oh, that's a great you know that's kind of a great idea the amazing guy and and then um, my logo was done by um or not my logo, but the illustration of me in the superhero costume that yeah, yeah. So, so many people have seen was done by a really famous comic book illustrator here in the United States that a friend of mine knew, and it was done as a favor. And when that thing came in, in the mail, um, and I saw that, it, it just took off from there. I thought, this is, you know, this is a great way to, to distinguish myself in a sea of uh, comic magicians.
1: Going back to sort of the artwork and stuff like that, what else apart from magic are you actually
0: interested in or is it just purely magic? No, no, I' have a number of I've a number of interests. Um, uh, art is, is, is a big one um, and, and I'm very fortunate that my girlfriend is an artist, so what I can't do, she certainly can. <laughs> um, um, I'm, I've also been involved in martial arts for a number of years. Um, I'm I, I run a martial arts uh, school here uh, in the small town that I live in right. uh, so that's that, those have been kind of the big driving forces in my life for a long time but um, uh, or be, be besides that I don't know reading music <laughs> you
1: know? is it difficult to manage um, you know magic and other interests because obviously magic takes up a lot of time there's a lot of practice in there um, and a lot of people sort of find that they can't do anything else how do you manage doing you know running the martial arts school is obviously quite a big commitment doing the magic as a commercial business as well
0: yeah it's it's it it is a fair it is a fair uh, juggling act from time to time um i'm very fortunate and at the school that i i run i have some very competent uh, instructors underneath me who are more than happy to take the reins when i'm out of town which has been quite a lot lately the only other thing is I also um, do uh, political cartoons for five different uh, newspapers back here in the States. Yeah. And that I had to kind of figure out how to do that on the road. Um, so basically I have to figure out where there's a scanner and where I can get to a computer and, and that sort of stuff. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's been fairly easy, but the nice thing about magic is besides the day-to-day you know, phone calls and, and, and mailings and that sort of thing. It doesn't take all that much time. I mean this is as far as businesses go, this is a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no personnel to keep track of, there's no inventory to uh, to log. It's you know, it's pretty 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 low maintenance as far as that goes.
1: So what what are we gonna see you doing next? Obviously you're coming over for the convention, but you know and you're based out of the US at the moment. what other plans have you got going forward sort of magic wise
0: and- You know, I'm I'm actually uh, Going to be moving over to the UK uh, late this fall um, and early uh, early winter, and I am very much in the expect nothing to be ready for anything phase. Um, I, I realize that the markets in the United States are uh, differ greatly than the markets in the UK. Um, I'm very entrenched in the United States with a certain uh, agencies who uh, I get a fair amount of work through, yeah. um, and that'll you know be. Uh, um, uh, less once I'm once I'm over there. So I'm going to be very interested in hearing what other magicians over in the UK do and what they've had success with, and trying to learn from them as far as you know what what the markets are and what the best approaches are because the audiences differ a little bit as well. So
1: yeah, they do, and also um, sort of within the the USA, there's a lot more magic on TV, whereas over here there's there's very little if if any. Um,
0: yeah, well, you guys had the Paul Daniels show forever. How long did
1: that thing run? Oh, it ran forever, but of course yeah. we we don't have it. We don't even have the reruns anymore. So the oh, idea... no, it's not even a rerun. No, there's there's very little magic, if any, on on
0: UK TV at all. Uh, certainly nothing there, like him. There, you, know, there you go. Maybe that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Much more talented magicians than I over in the UK have been trying to crack that nut for a while.
1: <laughs> now you've done a couple of lectures over here that have always gone down extremely well. Do you think you'll be doing more of those when
0: you actually move over? Yeah, I, I hope to. I hope to. It's 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 going to be interesting to see how it goes because you know, it's one of those situations you're never a profit in your own homeland. So, um uh, I'm wrestling with doing a local lecture here, actually next week, and, and because I'm the local guy, nobody, you know, really cares. So, uh, w- once I'm the local guy over there, we'll see. We'll see if uh, if the number of lectures I, I do uh, increases or decreases. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I'd always be open to it, and I found that I found the, the the British Magic Clubs over there very receptive and very friendly, and yeah, I love it. So.
1: So you've obviously got um, – um, there's a number of DVDs that you have as well. So if people do want to find out a little bit more about you, get some of those DVDs. Obviously, they can go to the Magic Dealers. Where would they go to, to get some more information about you and potentially order those DVDs?
0: Oh, Andrew, aren't you sweet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, funny you should ask. I just happen to have a website. It's the uh, it's theamazingguystore.com, And we have – we have that as a link just
1: below the podcast as well, if you oh, uh, can't, can't be bothered to type it in. But um, brilliant. Thank you very, very much for your time. We're looking forward to seeing you at the British Ring Convention in Southport in September.
0: Thank you very much for your time. Well, thank cool. you. It's been, it's been my pleasure. The
1: IBM British Ring Convention takes place this September 23rd through to the 27th in Southport. You can find out all the information about the British Ring Convention either on our site or by going to www.britishring.org.uk and you can find out all the information about this convention and other conventions on our website www.magicconventionguide.com